At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Welcome to the Hornets Hivecast, the official podcast of your Charlotte Hornets. Here's your host, Sam Farber. Welcome to another edition of the Hornets Hivecast, your daily podcast with all the notes, quotes, and daily buzz around your favorite NBA team, the Charlotte Hornets. I'm Sam Farber, and it is a pleasure and a privilege to have you with us once again. Sadly, a Silver Linings edition of the Hornets Hivecast. Charlotte falling last night, 132 to 110 to the Utah Jazz. We'll break down the game, talk about the impending All-Star rosters being released. Yes, we're recording this before the All-Star rosters are out. So if you are reading them and you are looking at what I'm saying about what could potentially come or what Rob Longo is about to say about what could potentially come, don't judge us too harshly. We are making our last second prognostications ahead of the all-star rosters being revealed and also we'll talk about an in-depth Q&A the athletic did with Hornets television color commentator Del Curry talks about LaMelo Ball his impressions of the rookie thus far and what the impact has been here on Buzz City as I mentioned we're talking about all this with our producer on the Hornets radio network Rob Longo back once again on the HHC and Rob let's start with last night's game 132 to 110 I honestly am encouraged that it was so discouraging at the end that the Hornets had this one slip away from them. They lose 132 to 110, but really were in it, in fact, leading it for the majority of the first three quarters. In the fourth quarter, though, a deluge of threes from Utah. They made 11 threes in the fourth quarter alone, set a new franchise record of 28 threes. And if that sounds familiar, franchise record, it's because the last time they said it, it was also against Charlotte when they made 26 threes. Just unbelievable three-point shooting by the Jazz. It's not just that they were left open. It's that they were hot, and they were hot at the right time to take a 22-point victory over Charlotte in a game they really had no business winning by 22. 
No. And I was sitting here in the studio in the fourth quarter when those deluge of threes were going up, and I just threw my hands up in the air. Because at that point, it was, what else can you possibly do? The three-point line was guarded pretty well. A couple extra passes got to the open man for Utah, but... This is almost like the Golden State team from a couple of years ago where you could just play really good basketball for about 35 minutes and then a two-minute span can ruin your entire day. And that's pretty much, in a sense, what happened. It just was an extended run after that two-minute turning point of the game, if you want to call it that, for Utah to make it a lopsided victory. Yeah, the depth of their scoring is, is really what makes them so potent. It's not just that, that they have all-stars like Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert and potentially Michael Conley who can go out there and put a lot of points on the board. It's that they've got guys like O'Neal and Ingles and Yang that can come out and Clarkson and any one of them is capable of putting 20 points on the board and it just so happens last night three of them put 20 points on the board and things opened up in a bad way. Head coach James Borrego talked about the loss afterwards, particularly talking about the fourth quarter as things went awry. And a lot of the questions had to do about three-point shooting, and I understand it because it it was an impressive display. Um, but, uh, well, well, just let JB talk about it. Here's what JB had to say after the game. Third quarter, I thought we got off to a good start. We had a good sequence there to start the third. And towards the end of the third, we lost our way a little bit. But, you know, we could not score, and we couldn't set our defense. And... That's the challenge with the young group is when you're not scoring, can you come back and still have the same intensity? And 48 minutes is a long game, you, you know, against a very good team. This team's the best, you know, best record in the league. You got to do it for 48 minutes. So we lost our way there in the fourth, but I liked our first three quarters in general. We're scrambling. We were trying to get to shooters, but nothing different in the fourth. They knocked them down. And I think we had some missed assignments there in the fourth as well, but they're a very good team. So give them a ton of credit. They are most definitely a very good team. Utah, let, let's not sell them short, okay? The Hornets didn't just play toe-to-toe with a very good team. They played toe-to-toe with the best team in the NBA, who was well-rested after a couple days off after a recent loss to the L.A. Clippers. So they were maybe a little mad about that one. 13-2 and at home. They're the number one team in net rating. They don't just win games. They dominate games. Their plus-minus is plus nine. That means on average... They win every game by nine points. That is a massive amount of points to have your plus minus at in the National Basketball Association. Give your take. The fourth quarter, yes, it got out of hand, but your take on what JB had to say about you know, maybe why it did it with the three-point shooting and the team losing its way a little bit at the back end of the second half. It goes back to probably a turning point in the third quarter where Charlotte was trying to substitute There were six players on the floor, and they called a technical. And at that point, it made it a one-possession game, I believe. I think it made it 90-88, to if I remember that correctly. And then Utah came down and hit a three right before the end of the quarter to make it a 91-90 jazz lead heading into the fourth quarter. And then that's just where things kind of snowballed from there. And it was a perfect storm for Utah because then two minutes into the fourth quarter, Gordon Hayward gets hurt, and we'll get into Gordon's status and what we know at this point in just a few minutes. But – When I look at the two times that we've seen Utah play this year, it would not surprise me at all if the Jazz are able to come out of the West and win the NBA championship this year. I'll say it in February. I'll go bold prediction, but this team is really good. They got a lot of depth. If they can stay healthy and if they don't turn the ball over like they did 
yesterday against Charlotte, they got a really good chance to make a run. I'm not mad at that pick. I think the depth that they have makes them very difficult. It's one thing. And when you get to the finals, you know, the depth becomes less of a factor because most teams focus down their rosters. I mean, you know, a guy like George Niang, you know, his minutes are going to go potentially right now. He's roughly a 15 to 20 minute guy. He might play just a couple minutes in the finals. It depends on you know, of course, how things are going. I'm not terribly mad at that pick. Utah's been the number one team all season long. They performed well against elite competition for much of the season. They did split with the Clippers recently. I don't know that they've played the Lakers yet. Sorry, they've won two of three against the Clippers. I don't believe they've played the Lakers yet. In fact, the Lakers matchup is the next one up. And so, you know, what you do against those elite teams really says how good you really are. But this Jazz team's good. There's no doubt about that. Utah winning 132 to 110. I was talking a moment ago about you know the plus-minus category and how ridiculous it is to be a plus-nine. Just for reference, the best team in the East is Milwaukee at plus-seven. They've got Giannis Antetokounmpo. They can get big point totals in a hurry. But no one is within two-and-a-half points of Utah for plus-minus. So that that's just how dominant they've been. They've been dominant amongst the dominant teams so far this season. Time to hand out some silver linings for this one. I'll go first. I'm going to go with the rookie, LaMelo Ball. LaMelo Ball steps up to the three-point arc, fires and hits. LaMelo Ball drilling another Lowe's three-point shot. 19 points for LaMelo. Charlotte up by three. LaMelo would end up with 21. That was the only three he made, but he had an ability to get into the lane, and this kid's fearless. I mean, to go into a lane that is occupied by Rudy Gobert, the best defensive player in basketball. Takes some guts. He also was willing to overshadow the best player not to make an all-star team in the last decade, Mike Conley. Gave him the two-short symbol, which is you know a little, little disrespectful, but in a, in a braggadocio type of way that you want to see the confidence of the young man. Uh, look, LaMelo Ball, 21.7 boards, four assists. He was really strong out there. Also had three steals. I thought he played another outstanding game, and good to see him bounce back after a poor shooting effort after that long layoff going into the Golden State game. The first quarter for LaMelo was what kind of propelled the Hornets to keep it tight in that first quarter. It was a 35-35 game. LaMelo had 10 points. And even Malik Monk coming off the bench at that point, he had nine points as well. But then you know, LaMelo cooled off a little bit in the second quarter. He only had six in the second But at that point, it didn't matter because Charlotte was moving the ball so well and so many other players were contributing at that point. And then, I mean, he finishes tied with a team high with Gordon Hayward. So, And that just goes to show you how good of a game Gordon had, too, as well on the other side, considering that he only played two minutes in the fourth quarter before getting hurt. So I'm starting to run out of ways to describe him. And we're only how many months into his career. He's just so much fun to watch, and he brings so much to the table and I think a lot of it just goes back to that attitude. We'll get to that a little bit later on with when we talk about the in-depth interview with Del Curry and the Athletic. But he just brings that energy with him, and it just brings everybody up and brings the morale around the team, and they want to play more. They want to play for their players. That's just kind of how it works, I think, with LaMelo. We'll let you pick a silver lining. So I'm going to have a little bit of cop out here. I'm going to go with the game plan and the defense through the first three quarters because – Utah finishes with 23 turnovers from my shoddy research. I believe that is a season high for the Jazz. And James Borrego postgame, somebody asked him, defensively, what was working so well for you guys through the first three quarters? 
And he said, we were just throwing a bunch of different looks at him. We were trying to make them uncomfortable, and I think it worked. I mean, there was a couple of times in the first quarter where Utah started off hot. The Jazz were 6-12 of 12 at one point from beyond the arc. They finished the first quarter 8-18, of 18. so yeah, they hit eight threes, but percentage-wise, it wasn't as bad as what it was back on February 5th, but then it got to that point in the fourth quarter when it just started raining in Salt Lake City in the arena. But I think the 23 turnovers has a lot to say because a lot of those were live ball turnovers as well. That transition into points, the Hornets ended up with 25 points off those turnovers. The Hornets were very good tonight in terms of how they played. I like the game plan pick. I think it's important not to be prisoners of the result. I think it's easy to look back at the Golden State game and say, hey, they won. It was such a thriller. You know, that's great. And it is great. Wins are hard to come by. You got to take them wherever you can get them. But that was not a good game by Charlotte. They turned the ball over ad nauseum. They did not look in rhythm. And there was plenty of reason for that. I'm not saying there wasn't. But it, it wasn't as if they played a good game. This one is the opposite. Yes, Utah went absolutely unconscious from three in the fourth quarter. It was one of the greatest shooting displays I've ever seen. You know, not quite Steph Curry in practice making like 90-some-odd threes in a row, but pretty darn close. I mean, two different players set career highs for made threes with seven in the game. Nyang, who was seven for seven, that's ridiculous. Ingles was seven for ten. You got to tip your cap. These guys shot incredibly well. But I thought the Hornets played a really good game. They led the best team in the NBA through three quarters. Utah, the best team in net rating, best team in plus minus, best team in rebounding, best team in points percentage from threes, number two in defensive rating. This is a very good basketball team, and the Hornets were better than them for 36 minutes. And it was just so lopsided in the fourth quarter, it didn't matter. Kind of like the first time they met, Utah had a similar thing happen, but it happened in the second quarter. I'm not mad with how the Hornets played in this one. I'm not mad at the result. Utah's a spectacular team. Going into this road trip, I think there were some serious questions coming out of the Golden State game because the result was good, but the performance was not. Here, the result is not what you want. You never want losses, but the performance was good. And so I feel more encouraged moving ahead, with the big exception of the fact that there's a major question mark now when it comes to Gordon Hayward. And that's the discussion next. Gordon Hayward, a re-aggravation of a previous injury. We will get into it in a moment here on the Hornets Hivecast. Hornets fans, be sure to download the Hornets app on your mobile device. The Hornets app is your access to all new features and exclusive content, including the new game day experience for every game this season. Sam Farber, Rob Longo here on the Hornets Hivecast after a Hornets 132-110 loss to the Utah Jazz. A lot of people point to the fourth quarter that I'm seeing on social media and based off the questioning from the media after the game for James Borrego, uh, looking at Utah going crazy from three and for certain. All the credit to Utah. They played a near-perfect fourth quarter. Tip your cap. It does happen to coincide with Gordon Hayward leaving the game with injury. Not all of the run. The run had already started. But the bulk of that run happened with Gordon Hayward in the locker room, and I don't think we can overstate the impact of his absence. The official word from the Hornets PR staff, and again, we want to be precise in our language here, but the official word when he left the game was that Gordon Hayward had re-aggravated a previous right-hand injury and would not return for the game. The previous right-hand injury is an avulsion fracture of his fifth metacarpal on his right hand, which happened during the preseason. The explanation we got at the time from Gordon and others 
was that this was not something that had been fixed. This is something that he could play with. And he had played very well, but we had never been told, hey, this is completely, you know, off the table or will never need to be readdressed at some point down the line. It was just he couldn't hurt it anymore and he could play through the pain and could go out there. And he took an awkward fall. And so if this is a re-aggravation, we will have to see. That held him out for two preseason games, albeit they were preseason. The importance of those, it's preseason. So, you know, it is what it is. We'll see what kind of impact this has moving forward. Joe Sharp and the Hornets training staff are as good as it gets. So we'll, we'll hope for some good news. I don't think it can be overstated. Utah, yes, they played a great game. But the Hornets had outplayed Utah basically the entire time Gordon Hayward was out there until he got hurt. Gordon goes down about two minutes into the fourth quarter. At that point, it's a 102-92 game, and Utah already started the quarter off on a 15-0 run. So the onslaught was already beginning at that point. Gordon goes down. I think at that point it's almost precautionary a little bit. Obviously, if you're only down 10, you don't want to wave the white flag. But if you send Gordon to the locker room, and keep in mind, too, earlier in the game, he was getting either heat or ice put on his back during timeouts. He was getting a wrap put on his lower back because he's still kind of battling that lower back discomfort that held him out for a couple games the last couple of weeks. So I think it was just kind of a load management thing. This is a long road trip, and you're moving to a lot of different cities and a lot of different days. And I think at that point it was kind of James Borrego maybe just kind of trying to err on the side of caution to make sure that one of his best players is all right. I, I do think, you know, air on the side of caution makes sense. They're doing that with Devontae Graham as well. He's been getting loosened up, getting closer, but they're being cautious as they bring him back from his knee discomfort, I believe is the term that they've been using for that one. I honestly don't know, though, on Gordon Hayward, because if he was able to come back to play, there was still a lot of time left in that game. He had had a great offensive night. I don't think you hold him out just to hold him out, e- even if you're careful. I think it's, you know, this is something serious enough that you want to be careful with it. So, you know, it's not like, oh, you jammed your finger, go sit down on the bench, you know, have have the rest of the night off. There was too much time left for that. It had to be something of enough significance to make him want to go back to the locker room or the training staff want to bring him back there. But again, we're not going to speculate on it. I do want to talk about it in this context. The All-Star rosters are due out today. And Charlotte has had, uh, sorry, has had Gordon Hayward on the list for pretty much since they started making lists this year as a potential all-star. His stats had slipped a little bit in the last three games. I think the layoff had something to do with it. The back soreness probably had something to do with this. The focus of opposing defenses on him probably had something to do with it. But he had a really good game. I think, honestly, if the Hornets win against Utah and Gordon Hayward goes for about 30, that might have been enough to put him on the list. But right now... It's hard to say. Charlotte has slipped for the moment out of the top eight in the Eastern Conference. I don't know that that is really the dividing line, but it doesn't help things. And there are a few other players like Julius Randle, who's playing well for the Knicks, and the Knicks are playing well. Celtics have a couple of players. Toronto has a couple of players. Milwaukee's got a couple of players. Philadelphia. I mean, the spots can go rather fast, and then you've got a guy, statistically speaking, two of them, and Bradley Beal and Trey Young, who probably could or should will take spots in the Eastern Conference on bad teams as well. So the odds don't appear to be in Gordon Hayward's favor, but I wouldn't rule it out at this stage that he could make the All-Star roster. It's going to be close. Again, we're all kind of speculating here because we recorded it before the official announcement, but it's tough just because of how, like you mentioned, how these other teams are playing so well, especially Julius Randle in New York who plays a similar position 
to Gordon Hayward in that stretch 3-4 area. Randall, he's been the heart and soul of the Knicks almost through the first portion, I guess you can call it almost halfway through now, of the season. He's been playing really well. It's tough to say maybe because he's in a bigger market like New York, he gets maybe a little bit more media attention. We've kind of been playing the Rodney Dangerfield, we don't get any respect around here card for quite some time. But Charlotte's starting to get a lot of national media attention now, of course, with Gordon and with LaMelo Ball, of course. So I just hope that this injury to Gordon where he got sidelined for the final 10 minutes last night isn't the sole reason that he doesn't get an all-star spot, and I don't think it would. No, I don't I don't think it would. I do think if the Hornets had beaten Utah, that's a, that's a big, impressive win, and Gordon Hayward with the statistical performance he had brewing there, that could have put him over the top. But we'll have to see. It'll be interesting. I do think Charlotte is deserving. You know, right now, tied for eighth place. You know, they're essentially in the playoff mix. They're certainly in the play-in game mix. The candidacy should be respected for Gordon Hayward. And, you know, Terry Rozier, I thought, made a nice run at all-star consideration, too, in the last two weeks here before the announcement comes. But gut feeling, after talking to a lot of people about it, I think Gordon Hayward is deserving. But as with every year, for 12 spots, there's 15 to 20 players that are deserving. So the list of deserving in all-star caliber is much longer than actual all-star rosters. And, you know, if the question is, is it Tobias Harris or is it Gordon Hayward? I think Tobias Harris is going to get the nod right now. If it's Julius Randle versus Gordon Hayward, it's a pick 'em. It's a toss-up. Let's go back to the injury. We heard from a couple of players on this one after the game, not Gordon Hayward. Again, we, we're not going to speculate on any absence. We hope for more news. Make sure you're keeping an eye on the Hornet social media accounts for all the latest on the status of Gordon Hayward. Here's what P.J. Washington had to say about the impact of Gordon Hayward going down to last night's loss to Utah. Just part of the game. I think for us, we just had a, had a next man up mentality and uh, just come out and be ready to play and know what you're doing. So I feel like we had a, enough talent to uh, win games. So for us, uh, we obviously need Gordon. We need all our guys here. So, I mean, we're just going to do our best without him. So I think um, if we just come out and play hard, chances are we can win the game. So. The hope is that whatever layoff there is, if there is one, is as short as possible because Gordon Hayward really has helped change the whole perspective of this Hornets team and going into a very, very difficult road trip. You need all of your weapons. How about LaMelo Ball, what he had to say? He was asked about Gordon Hayward, and the question, we'll let you hear it, it was kind of phrased in a way that made it sound like Gordon would be out longer, and LaMelo pushed back immediately. How concerned are you about losing uh, Gordon Hayward for significant time, and that would seem to shift a lot of the playmaking duties back to you? Uh, for real, I ain't even heard about that yet. We asked G. He said he was feeling kind of good, so we'll just see from there, I guess kind of attitude you want. I mean, LaMelo is not going to make any judgments from a medical perspective. That's for the medical team to do. You know, you just keep your fingers crossed and hope that Gordon's injury is mild enough that he can play through it or have a as quick as possible return to the court. When you have a guy like LaMelo saying, well, I talked to him and he said he sounded pretty good. I'm all right with that. I'll take LaMelo's word 11 days out of 10. So I'm not too worried if LaMelo's not too worried about it. And we will have to see what the results of this is but best wishes to Gordon Hayward for a quick recovery. It's never easy to have an injury on the road because things are moving pretty fast city to city. There's not exactly a lot of time to hang out and have certain things done. So we'll keep an eye on this, Gordon Hayward, both for the All-Star game as well as for the upcoming games against the Phoenix Suns and beyond. Next up, there was a Q&A with Hornets 
Color commentator Del Curry in The Athletic. Great piece. Talks about LaMelo Ball. Talks about Charlotte and this young team as a whole. And we're going to break it down for you in just a moment here on the Hornets Hivecast. Hornets fans, the buzz is building. For season ticket packages for the 2021-2022 season, call 704-HORNETS or visit hornets.com to chat live with a season ticket representative. Lock in your price today. Sam Farber, Rob Longo here with you on the Hornets Hivecast. And Charlotte fell last night to the Utah Jazz. They dropped their record to 14-16. and 16. But honestly, from the start of the season, when a lot of the experts' win totals were put out there, most of the assessments said this was a Charlotte team that would lose two out of every three games. Well, at this stage of the season, it's been about 50-50. A little bit below 500, but roughly that ratio. So this team has exceeded national expectations, and they're starting to get more national coverage. For instance, Anthony Slater of The Athletic did a long Q&A piece with Del Curry. He talks about LaMelo Ball as well as the team as a whole. And I want to let you in on some of the quotes. Definitely recommend it as a read. He also talks about his son Steph Curry when they got the news about Clay Thompson for the season. There's a lot of good stuff in there, but we're going to focus in on the LaMelo stuff. So the question to Dell, moving to LaMelo and the, looking at LaMelo stuff, the question is, LaMelo, obviously the rookie of the year favorite at this point. What are your early impressions? And Dell's response was, my early impression is he's better than everyone thought. More important, what I'm impressed with is the person he is. can tell by watching the team play every night. His teammates love playing with him. He's willing to learn, willing to be coached, doesn't have that sense of entitlement. Goes on to say he's honest with himself, he laughs at himself, and that's big in the NBA when you don't take yourself so serious, where you can handle your mistakes but also learn from them. He's a special player. thought that was a revealing answer because there is a mystique about LaMelo and the Ball family as a whole that these guys are seeing themselves on another plane from everyone else in the basketball world, and I think there's something very genuine about the way LaMelo interacts with his teammates, how he has fun, how he's rooting for everyone on the roster to do well. Case in point, after Terry Rozier makes that game winner against Golden State, who's the first person to rush and pick him up, it's LaMelo Ball. So I think there's something very true in Dell's response there that LaMelo's willingness to laugh at himself, his desire to be you know one of the guys, so to speak, and have that levity to him is something that will only enhance the extraordinary skill set that he is blessed with. Yeah, I think you saw a little bit of that last night. He didn't really hang his head a whole lot despite the final score. You know, he had a towel over his head in the fourth quarter when he was sitting on the bench, but everybody does that these days. It's not like he was sitting in the quarter pouting or anything like that. He was just hanging out on the bench. So he doesn't get he does get, you know, pretty high up there in his expectations. Doesn't get too low on himself either. But it's a good sign to see from a 19-year-old who is trying to navigate a rookie season amid a global pandemic with so much adversity to go over a rookie season where normally as a rookie, it's hard enough as it is, but there's just a couple of other things sprinkled in there as well. So it's really refreshing to see somebody like LaMelo just being a joy out there to play the game and have fun doing it. Dell also talked about the shot. LaMelo shooting roughly 35% from three. It's been better since he's entered the starting lineup, I might add. Uh, LaMelo Ball, just in the last month, let's say, uh, his 
three-point shooting has gone north of 40%, and that's with the last two games uh, being closer to 25%. So he was really shooting at an extraordinary clip. Del Curry, the entire Curry family, known as maybe the greatest shooting family. I don't think maybe should be in there. They're the greatest shooting family of all time. I don't care who else you are. It doesn't get much better than the Currys. Dell was asked about him as a shooting expert. What do you think of the shot? And Dell said this in the, in the piece in The Athletic. It's good enough. A lot of guys have weird forms, but the only thing that matters is if it goes in and if you are able to get it off, whether it's catch and shoot or off the dribble. He mentioned how LaMelo was asked about tweaking his shot, and the response was, no, this is how I shoot. And Dell said, you got to respect him for that. It's worked for him up to this point. He makes it. He has range on his shot. He's not worried about that, and he thinks it'll get better because LaMelo is a worker. When he gets to the arena to watch pregame work, LaMelo is one of the first guys out, and he's always doing work behind the scenes. So I don't know that that is necessarily a... Del Curry seal of approval. This is the, the way his shot will look forever and ever. But the framework is there. The work ethic is there. He has impressed one of the greatest shooters in the history of the game with the building blocks of LaMelo's three-point prowess. If he's been shooting like he has been with his form for the past, we'll say, 10 years, just to err on the side of caution, but if he's been shooting like that for 10 years and he's been successful— why change it? I understand that a lot of reasons that the people kind of shoot across their body a little bit is out of necessity when they're younger because they're not as strong to bring the ball up. And I don't see that changing at age 19, even though LaMelo has a large frame to fill out at six, seven, he's definitely going to put on some muscle at some point. I mean, you look at guys in the past, you look at LeBron, you look at Dwight Howard, those guys with those big wiry frames that grow into their bodies as they get older and they add a lot of muscle mass. And I don't think that's going to change when you move forward with LaMelo in a couple of years. And you even see it a little bit with his brother Lonzo in New Orleans. He's well, put on Lonzo's some... Lonzo's shot has changed a lot. His, his shot has changed a lot, but I'm talking about his, like, his muscle mass. He's definitely put on some muscle over the past. And I think the reason with Lonzo changing his shot is because it stopped working for him. We don't know if that's going to be the case for LaMelo. I mean, Lonzo shot across his body when he was at UCLA for a year, and then he had an okay first season, first couple of years with the Lakers. And then when he got to New Orleans, that's when he was able to kind of change his shot a little bit too. So maybe LaMelo adapts, but right now, middle of the season, don't don't change anything. Well, Just yeah, leave I, it alone. I think so, right now that's for sure. I mean, we've seen guys, you know, Kawhi Leonard comes to mind. Yeah. Players who have had significant work done on their shot to clean it up. I would agree. I don't think anything's going to happen mid-season on it. I don't think that would be a proper timing for it because it could derail things in the moment. You certainly don't want to do that. It's not to say that he can't have a great shooting career with his current mechanics and current shot. It's almost like you know football. Like, yes, there's a proper way to throw it as a quarterback. And every once in a while you get a guy like Philip Rivers who nothing about it looks right, and yet he's one of the most prolific passers in the history of the NFL, statistically speaking. So how much do you want to mess with a good thing, I guess, is the end of this. He's shooting 42% from three as a starter. I don't think that's something you necessarily want to mess around with. But is this the final look for his shot? I don't know about that. We'll see. It's going to be a very long career for LaMelo Ball. That is for certain. Last thing from this piece in The Athletic, a Q&A with Del Curry, written by Anthony Slater. It's a great piece. Highly recommend it. He asked about the mood in Charlotte, which is difficult to assess because we don't have the fan interaction we normally would because fans are not in the arena. And Dell had this to say, I think the excitement of the team, not only in Charlotte, but all around the NBA, could make a free agent try to come and play with these guys. The fan base is excited. 
Can't wait for the arena to open again so they can see them. But you watch on TV. Sometimes TV doesn't do it justice. Seeing the plays develop in person and watching what LaMelo is going to do. This is a special player. The team was on the road in Utah last night. Utah is having fans. There were a lot of Hornets jerseys there. A lot of LaMelo jerseys. And this wasn't, you know, a random bad team. This is the best team in the NBA. That's a tough ticket to get. And people were coming in Charlotte jerseys to watch LaMelo Ball and this team. This is something new, and I think the floodgates are going to open. I would highly recommend getting season tickets if you are so inclined right now. Get on the list early. This is going to be a very exciting team, and I like the way he put it that this could be something that is attractive to a free agent because you do have the core of this team. We're going to talk later in the week about another piece in The Athletic. They're talking about the young superstars that are in the NBA, and they've got very high ratings on players such as P.J. Washington and Devontae Graham, and no doubt LaMelo Ball is going to be near the top of the NBA Young Talent rankings. But this is going to be an attractive piece because LaMelo is someone who accentuates other people's talents. He's not going to detract from them. And I'm not going to speculate on who you know that next piece could be, but clearly playing with guys like Gordon Hayward and LaMelo Ball are going to be attractive in a way that not every superstar is. Going back to the stuff that they asked Dell about with the hype around Charlotte. Dell's been around Charlotte for a long time. I think if I'm going to take anybody's word, it's going to be Dell Curry. Unfortunately for you and me, we haven't been here very long. We've only been here for a couple months, so we haven't been able to go out and obviously meet people in the community and see how they feel about what is going on in Charlotte. But I feel like the general consensus just in our little media bubble between us and you know, everybody over at WFNZ and the people that we hear talk about this team all the time is there is a lot of excitement in the air that hasn't been around the Hornets for a very long time, probably since the early days of Kemba Walker, if I had to speculate, kind of throw a big name out there. And it is exciting to see what can happen and what can transpire moving forward with free agent signings or signing and trading and stuff like that. So there's definitely room to grow, and I'm excited to see where we go moving forward. Well, I think it goes further back than that. I think you go back to Larry Johnson and Zoe okay. and Dell and, and Muggsy Bogues. I think that's the kind of comparison that, I mean, Kemba Walker was a tremendous player, a multiple-time All-Star here in the Queen City. But in terms of having national focus and attention, this is a different level. This is this is a very different thing that is just in its infancy here in Charlotte, and hopefully it will reach maturation sooner rather than later, because so far the Hornets exceeding some expectations. Last night did not go their way. They fell to Utah 132-110 to as the floodgates opened, but still a lot of potential ahead for the Hornets. Make sure you join us tomorrow on the Hornets Hivecast. We are going to have Gerald Henderson, another member of the Fox Sports Southeast crew. We'll talk about all things going on with the Hornets. Hopefully we'll have some more news and hopefully some good news on Gordon Hayward, and we'll start the preparations for the Phoenix Suns preview. Suns, another very good team, 20-10 and 10 on the season. If they were in the Eastern Conference, they would be the number one seed. They would have the best record. So even though they are fourth in the West, don't get it twisted. This team is extremely good. Booker and Paul are two outstanding players, eight and in the middle. This is going to be another tough one, so we'll see how things go. But I am certainly encouraged based off what we saw from the Hornets last night against Utah through the first three quarters. That's going to do it for this edition of the Hornets Hivecast. Again, we hope you'll join us tomorrow. For Rob Longo, I'm Sam Farber saying it's been a pleasure and a privilege having you with us. Till next time, in the words of LaMelo Ball. Thank y'all. Have a good day. Wear your mask.
Thanks for listening to the Hornets Hivecast. For more coverage, visit Hornets.com.